Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Water from EG with Sarah Jackman. On today's podcast, I'm joined by William Reardon, recent director for Value Retail and co-founder of Oberland, a new real estate investment and development venture and chair of ULI's Young Leaders Group for Europe. William completes a two-year term in the role in July and joins me today for a look at his achievements during that time. William, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure to have you on Bricks and Mortar. Many of our listeners will be familiar with the ULI, but possibly not the Young Leaders Forum. Perhaps you could start by telling me a little bit about what the forum is designed to do, who's eligible and what it offers to its members. Hi, Sarah. Firstly, thank you very much for having me today on the podcast. I'm honored to be here with you. So I'll back up a little bit further if it's all right, and I'll just explain what the ULI is for those of um, your listeners who may not know. So the Urban Land Institute, uh, otherwise known as the ULI, is probably the most influential research and educational organization for the built environment and the broader real estate sector. Uh, its mission is to provide leadership in the responsible use of land uh, and in creating and sustaining thriving communities. So it's particularly relevant, I think, for today's world. And the Young Leaders Group within the broader ULI is a forum for the industry leaders of tomorrow to engage with the leaders of today. So that's really the purpose of it. And also, as is important across the whole organization, to connect local expertise with global knowledge. So it's really about sharing synergies across the industry across all of the real estate uh, industry, uh, which in my opinion has been going through um, quite a transformation recently. But to simply answer your question, those who are eligible for the young leaders um, are anybody up to the age of 35 years old um, who's within the ULI organization right now or is interested from, from outside of the organization. Tell me a little bit then about what it actually offers to its members. I mean, you talk about the opportunity to connect um, with the leaders of today, but in practical terms, what can people expect to find? Absolutely. So they can expect to find a community of 1,200 young leaders uh, similar to them with whom they can meet in person, physically, or also uh, virtually through various networking initiatives. They can also expect probably the leading education platform in real estate globally. So access to learning opportunities, uh, unique uh, and intimate access to current leaders in what we call lunch and learn uh, segments in which you're able to sit around a virtual or a physical table with a great leader in the real estate industry and ask them really whatever whatever you want. Um, sometimes Chatham House rules, sometimes, sometimes not. Also access to events. Um, so this week, for example, we have a Young Leaders Forum in which uh, about 100 of us from across Europe uh, will be coming together to discuss what's going on in the real estate industry. Title of it is Real Estate is Dead, Long Live Real Estate, which gives you an idea of the type of things we'll be discussing, and much more. Uh, so there's several initiatives that my executive committee launched during my tenure, including initiatives focused on sustainability, initiatives focusing on highlighting uh, unique talent in the industry, and, and much more. So it's a it's a vast array, a smorgasbord of different initiatives, but the purpose of it is really to connect uh, as many people from as many parts of the different uh, elements of the industry as possible uh, and provoke interesting conversations and offer a great exposure uh, to people who are relatively early in their career. But many of those who are up in the later stages, in the early 30s, actually are, are already leaders themselves. Uh, and so it's an interesting dynamic from the early stage 
of people coming out of university to those who have accelerated quite quickly into leadership conversations, which creates quite a dynamic and fertile ground for thought-provoking, interesting, and sometimes provocative conversations. Okay. And was it a program that you yourself accessed and went through? Absolutely. That's the reason that I was inspired to to apply for the for the chair position is because it had been one that benefited me substantially. The real estate industry, I think, is particularly unique because it is so broad and it's an industry that's broadening right now. And so for me, the most valuable element of the ULI when I was an early young leader was exposing me to the different parts of the industry because you can be quite technical in terms of certain construction knowledge or you can be, you know, have a specific financial product within real estate or you can be an entrepreneurial developer. So seeing all these different um, career paths, seeing all these different interesting people speak uh, was important. But beyond just the, the knowledge, actually getting to know some of them, because real estate is a industry of connection. It is an industry Um, where your network matters. Um, And it is an industry where nobody can know every facet of it. So you need to borrow knowledge from others. And so uh, that was really important. And in addition to that, one of the most powerful benefits of the Young Leaders Program, and I didn't mention it before, which was remiss of me, is the the mentorship. Uh, And I benefited from from two great mentors during my time uh, within the ULI, uh, which inspired me also to try to they strengthened that program during my tenure as tenure as chair and broaden it throughout Europe. So obviously, then a lot of inspiration and um, support for young people um, going through the program. Tell me a little bit about what motivated you to stand for chair. So really, as I said, it was um, the fact that the program had benefited me uh, so substantially early in my career and had offered me a, a window into other parts of the industry that I had not um that i had not actively participated in um and i was inspired by the fact that it was uh not uh, limited to a certain region but it was pan-european and it's actually global as an organization but there was a benefit i in my throughout my career worked across many different countries and there was a tremendous benefit to learning from each individual practice and each individual way of working so i appreciated that about the uli as well And at the same time, I saw opportunities to strengthen the program and I put together a little uh, pitch book and I submitted it to um, to those in charge at the ULI. And I guess it resonated Uh, And a couple of the programs from that original uh, pitch book we've we've created, which I'm really pleased to say. Tell me a little bit about that pitch book then and, and what your priorities were for the role. So there were three main priorities that I had. Uh, The first was to increase exposure and connectivity of the young leaders during a particularly unprecedented period of transformation of the industry, but also a particularly unprecedented period for the world. I was the COVID chair, uh, which was a unique time to be chair, but also a very exciting time uh, because of the changes that that were happening. So that was my first goal. And the goal was not only to highlight the, the superstars of the industry who already get a lot of press and promotion, but also to pick out those who are either from an emerging part of the industry uh, to try to focus on them or to pick those who uh, might be in the bowels of one of the larger firms, maybe an unsung hero. Because the thing about the, the real estate industry is that it's quite entrepreneurially driven, but there are large firms, there are small firms, every type of firm within it, uh, every type of firm who's a member um, of the ULI. So I wanted to make sure that that broad cross-pollination was happening and that we're we're picking out people 
to to celebrate from across the industry. And the reason was to, to inspire others, uh, to, to focus on new areas, to meet new people, and to learn, uh, above all, to learn about the industry. You mentioned a couple of times the change. Tell me a little bit about the change that, that you've noticed over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be very happy to. And then I'd love to, if it's okay, you go back to a couple other priorities that I had during my during my chairmanship, because I realized I just focused on the first there. Uh, but the change in the industry that I've seen is is fairly fundamental. The industry, I, as I see it, is going through a period of broadening. Barriers to entry are lower, are, are, are lowering or reducing, um, which to me is quite exciting because it's allowing completely new entrants to come into the market. And there's a few reasons for this. Uh, the first is that naturally the success of the operational element of real estate, uh, and you've seen this in a number of different industries, but the operation of the in- industry of, the, of real estate has actually driven substantial returns across a number of the subsectors within real estate. So I come from uh, experiential retail, uh, and you've seen some phenomenally successful experiential retail projects emerge during a period of difficulty for for retail real estate, which I think indicated to a lot of people that if you understand the operational elements of the asset that you have, you can drive tremendous value. And that's not only true for something that's consumer facing like retail, but also if you look at logistics, really, if you understand sometimes how to operate those assets, you can drive the the highest value from them. And you're seeing that from from offices, from residential, from every, every piece of the industry. But because of that, you need a lot of new talent to run those those businesses, new talent that maybe wouldn't have been in the industry before. So you're seeing a lot of these new voices come in uh, who maybe might not understand real estate as well as, as others. And so I think it's important to have a body like the ULI connecting all of these pieces together. But it also is exciting to me because it, it brings a lot of new energy um, and a lot of new inspiration into the into the industry. The other um, major trend that I'd add to that is obviously um, real estate contributes a lot to greenhouse gas emission. I think there's some stat uh, from the UN or another large body that, that the built environment is responsible for about 40% of, of carbon output, which is obviously a tremendous, tremendous figure. And so I think we need to bring in, and, and you're seeing this start to happen, but technical expertise in this area to start to combat, start to find um, and address solutions uh, or to address issues with with proactive solutions. So uh, that's another big trend, but it's also contributing to the broadening of the overall industry. And finally, the the internet and naturally technology um, has has driven this whole focus on a a whole new focus on prop tech, uh, which is also exciting and quite nascent, uh, but leads to many other opportunities to, um, to delve into. Quite a period of change then, obviously, when you you took on the reins of the Young Leaders Forum. Tell me then a little bit about the other priorities within the role. Absolutely. So the first was increasing this exposure and connectivity due to this broadening. The second was to strengthen and and expand our existing learning platforms whilst developing new channels as well. And this one became, when I wrote it actually in my, my mini manifesto, it was pre-COVID, so I think I wrote that first in January 2020, uh, just as COVID was emerging, and that became incredibly important uh, during the two-year period. I think the ULI, and all the credit goes to the the, the local you know, country chairs, uh, the ULI's operational team, which was remarkable in transitioning a primarily physical uh, organization to a digital 
organization and creating a whole host of you know, hundreds of digital events that would connect people together and ensure that the learning process continued throughout the pandemic. And now we're shifting back, obviously, to physical, but retaining some of that, that, that digital expertise and those digital events, which has overall brought in the, the organization substantially. So that was the second um, element of the vision. And finally, the third element of the vision was to foster the development of new ideas and to champion innovation and invention. And I think that's a fact and responsibility of anybody who's part of the youth. I don't feel that young, sadly, anymore, but the youth element of an organization is to push forward new ideas. And again, that brought us substantially to ESG and most notably to sustainability uh, during my, my tenure, which we were trying to address and which will continue to be very important for the next chair and the chair beyond that and the chair beyond that to address. So looking back on your period as chair, I mean, to what extent do you feel that you've achieved those those priorities that you set out in your mini manifesto? Well, there were very lofty goals. So I think we've made a little bit of progress, but there's a lot more to be done. Uh, firstly, I'm, I'm very proud to say that during my tenure, uh, the membership of the young leaders across Europe grew about 60 percent. Uh, so whilst I would love to take credit for that, I'm sure the broader um, fact that the, the entire industry was, was going through this transformation and we were in a period of COVID um, is mostly the reason. But ultimately, it was, a, uh, I think, validated a lot of the things that the organization was doing uh, and the benefit of an organization during uh, these unique times. So that was I saw the, I saw the numbers grow, which was important to me. Um, and then with regards to a few other initiatives that we worked on, uh, firstly, we were very focused on ensuring that there was um, that all of the, the chairs across Europe were joined up and able to learn from each other. So we placed an early and strong emphasis on building an operational foundation or in improving an operational foundation, including you know, simple things like growth dashboards, sharing of events, you know, sharing of special initiatives, ensuring chairs were, were speaking to each other. Um, but basic but quite important things when the world is going through a unique period in which people can't meet as regularly as they could. Expanding a best practice guide. So putting the baseline fundamentals um, in place to ensure that whether if there was another disruption like this in the future, we could we could handle it and become stronger. And then we picked off a few very specific initiatives and each of my executive committee members was I'm, I'm also proud to say successful in driving forward a specific initiative that addressed one of these areas. So we launched something we call the new real estate vanguard, uh, which did for two years now pick out unique individuals within the real estate um, industry and give them a voice to share what they were doing and why it was different, why it was contributing to the evolution of the sector. We started something called Bridging the Gap, which was focused on solutions-based approach to addressing the gap between carbon output targets and general sustainability targets and the current capabilities we have. And a lot of this is going to be technology-based, you know, making sure that we actually get to where we say we're going. We introduced pan-European networking initiative, and we all of this in partnership with the executive committee and in partnership with the local chairs also um, have created a few pan-European events, which have been very successful. Again, one of which that I'm going to this week and very much looking forward to. You mentioned the the pandemic um, and, and you touched on it just now. You mentioned at the beginning that there was sort of 
pluses and, and minuses in, in terms of taking the chair at this time. I mean, tell me a little bit about how those pluses and minuses have, have sort of come together from your perspective. You, you mentioned, obviously, membership going up by some 60% um, across the ULI, which, which is obviously a fantastic um, achievement. But just tell me a little bit about what you observed during that period. I observed a period in which the industry came together like it has never um, done before, at least throughout my 13 or 14 years of, of career in, in the industry. Uh, I think it was very, very special and very unique that this happened. Obviously, there was tremendous upheaval and tremendous difficulty and tremendous sorrow uh, that can't be underestimated during this time. Uh, but I think the collegial nature in which the, the industry did come together and share best practices uh, and for me personally, uh, from a young leader's perspective, the collegial nature of the, the more senior people in the industry and the, the empathy that they shared to, to the younger people um, during this time was, was remarkable. And I think that if you go to a lot of our young leader events and if you, if you went to them during the pandemic, you'd be impressed by the caliber and quality of, of senior leader uh, individual that we had participating. That's also represented by our, our event this week. Um, really, the, the titans, the icons of the industry, uh, whether from the, the, the publicly listed element or the, you know, the private uh, entrepreneurs, they're all, they're all participating. They're all happy to give back. Um, and so I think that it was looking back a very unique opportunity to make a difference, um, which, which to me was very fulfilling and, and satisfying to be part of the leadership of an organization when it was going through, um, a transformation and challenging time. Um, that well, there was an element of excitement to that and hats off as well to the leadership of the ULI in Europe, uh, to Lizette and, and, and Marnix, um, for, for driving forward um driving the organization strongly into the future throughout this period um that was the positive side on the on the less positive side it was frustrating and not to be able to spend more time in, in person during a period of, of one's chair because uh there's something great about you know participating in the leadership of an organization where you can actually see people in, in person and talk to them and meet people and and, and have interesting brainstorming sessions outside of the four walls of Zoom because there is a spontaneity that is related to being in person, which is so important. And that's I'm already seeing that in the ULI events that I've gone to since um, the pandemic has started to taper off. And there is a joy and there's a sparking of ideas that, that comes about from, from that physical presence. And so that's something that was more challenging to capture during the period for me personally. Uh, but ultimately, in hindsight, we look at what we were able to achieve in this environment and use the, the, the pandemic as a catalyst to help drive this change uh, was overall quite successful. Other thing I would say is that the industry as a whole has evolved substantially uh, because of the pandemic, which was a catalyst to not create new trends, but to move things more quickly forward. So if you look at the change in the way people work, that was already something that was there was a grain of of growth before the pandemic, but the pandemic accelerated it so substantially. And separately in terms of you know logistics centers and the transition to a hybrid online, offline, not only working environment, but living environment uh, also was already in progress, but the pandemic accelerated it so substantially. So an organization like the ULI and the Young Leaders, by bringing these new voices in during that period, um, 
it was incredibly important to be agile enough to be willing enough to look outside the traditional sector. So that was also exciting to be involved in. When you look at it from a, a young leader's perspective, I mean, what, what do you think are the sort of lessons and things that people can draw from the last couple of years from this pandemic period? What can people take away from it? I think they can take an openness and willingness to explore new ideas, to embrace change. I think that people have come out of the pandemic being much more comfortable with periods of change. And I think that the real estate environment and more broadly the world going forward is in for a, a tumultuous period. Um, so I don't think it's going to be all smooth sailing post pandemic. I think there was a hope that things would calm down for a little while, but it seems like um, the pace of change might only be accelerating, at least for the near future. So I think a, a willingness uh, to embrace that change. And I think what has characterized this period of upheaval versus the previous two crises is actually there's more liquidity in the market now. Investors have been less scared. Um, people are willing to, to take greater chances. Lenders have, for the most part, been more forgiving. And so I think there is an understanding that uh, there is opportunity at the moment, despite uncertainty, and people are willing to embrace it. And that combined with unprecedented quantitative easing and, and government intervention and putting more money into the economy overall is a result for what will be um, quite uh, an exciting period for the real estate industry, but one that is unpredictable. So I think the pandemic has taught us ways to deal with that. The role of chair obviously um, has European dimension to it. You mentioned you're, you're travelling to Brussels this week to deliver the conference there. What does working in a, in a European way, in a, in a much more sort of connected forum, what do you think that brings? And what do, you know, young leaders from one jurisdiction learn from other jurisdictions? How is it beneficial? I think the business world is and has been becoming more homogenous over the last couple of decades. But that's not to say that there aren't many different practices, ways of working, traditions, you know, business styles that exist across the variety of different cultures that make up the, the, the wonder that is that is the European continent. And so I think that uh, by bringing together uh, and emphasizing the celebration of a diversity of thought, the ULI is particularly well positioned to to, to understand new trends and new ways of working. And I think that there's emphasis right now in the industry on ensuring diversity, which is incredibly important. But sometimes I think there's um, not enough thought put into the diversity of ways of thinking. Um, and to me, it's it's one of the most important elements of, of what makes it diversity is, is how you take people who think in a completely different way and somehow use that, the creative chaos, that that uh, that spark between the, those ideas to come up with something unexpected and, and something creative and something new. And I think that if you look at bringing together the different the European cultures, it does create that that spark of, of, of innovation in, in many instances. Um, the other thing that is important uh, for the ULI is that the organization has been expanding quite successfully through Europe. But because of that, there are different countries that are at different places in their, their maturity of the organization. And so it's important to share uh, best practices to some of those countries that are more recent uh, entrants into the ULI and leaders are able to leapfrog over some of the learnings from previous more established councils. Uh, so that foundation that this sharing of synergies 
was really important to to us and I think has created some some really special outcomes. For example, I was last week with a group of we created a virtual pan networking initiative and we were fortunate all to be in in the same location in Europe uh, somehow by great coincidence. And so we met together for a drink and some of the ideas that came out were were quite special. So I think that that wouldn't have existed without the ULI. Those, that particular group of people come from all parts of the industry wouldn't have existed. And the perspectives that were shared were, were great. The next chair of the Young Leaders Group is due to be announced soon. Um, what, what do you think will be the priorities for them? I'm hopeful that um, that some of the priorities that I mentioned together will still be important. I think that there's a lot of road left on the on the, on the highway to progress in each of those areas, uh, and so I'm hopeful that the next chair will continue to build on some of the things that that we've started. Uh, but yet there's there's such a broad uh, ecosystem that that the real estate industry embodies that I think there's many many different areas that they can go into. What, one of the most important that I would emphasize is this sustainability, you know, carbon, ESG, uh, because I think that right now on the sustainability side, a lot of organizations are creating very admirable and very ambitious targets uh, without always having the ability to deliver them or without having the correct stakeholders uh, to help them on their journey. So there's a lot of headlines out there. So any way that the ULI and the young leaders can assist and ensuring that it's not only the headlines that get reported, it's not only the headlines that, that matter, but it's actually the end result. Um, because nobody really has a completely comprehensive idea or understanding of, of where we're going next and how to how to address some of the challenges. So I'm hopeful that the next chair will focus on sustainability in particular. Uh, and I also am hopeful that the one of the joys of working within um, Europe is the multifaceted, you know, diversity of cultures, diversity of ideas that exist. And I'm hopeful that the next chair, as I'm sure that they will, will continue to push forward the bringing together of the ideas from the different chairs and the different executive committees. We talk often on this podcast about ways in which careers in the industry can be developed or accelerated. Just drawing on your own career to date, What's worked for you and, and what advice do you have for people embarking on a career in the industry today? So I've been very fortunate to have a unique and dynamic career that spanned three continents, multiple different asset classes, and have worked with a very entrepreneurial team and one which was supportive of me going out on, on the next stage of my journey, which is um, to start my own um, investment and development firm. Uh, and I think that uh, for those who might be in more traditional organizations, what the, the ULI replicates is some of that spark of energy that I was very fortunate to be exposed to, one which does give you all of the different uh, sectors sort of in one giant Petri dish that you can experiment with. Um, and so to me, one of the most important things early on in my career was saying yes to absolutely everything. Um, so for the first <laughs> seven, eight years of my career, anybody who came to me and said, do you want to do this? Basically, I just said yes. Um, thereafter, you know, one must become more discerning at one point because um, otherwise you'll you'll end up having um, zero time and making little impact whilst doing many things. But then you can start to select a few things to say no. And then um, as time goes on, you, you really have honed the fewer things that, that, that you do that are great uh, and that you say yes to and the rest uh, 
you pass on. But my one advice for anybody in the real estate sector was to, is to say yes as much as possible as early on in their career as possible, because the things that I was exposed to by saying yes, uh, which I wouldn't have thought uh, might be immediately applicable, have turned out to be um, very, very helpful to me as I've grown. Just thinking then about um, next steps for you at the ULI, where do you where do you go next, I guess, after, after you step down as chair? Well, I would love to remain involved. I'm sure I will remain involved. I'm trying to focus on closing out the next two months of my my chair. Uh, and so what I want to make sure I do well uh, is hand over to to the next chair and make sure that we're able to to pass the pass the buck. I think that one of the most important roles that a chair can have is to ensure that there's a successful handover to the next chair, because without that, a lot of the work is lost. And so that is going to be my priority over the next two months. And then hopefully the ULI will want me to do something else. And I'd be very happy to, to volunteer my time to do it. I look forward to seeing what you do next, William. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.